Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Yesterday evening, it was just absolutely beautiful outside. There was a gray blue in the clouds with a, a gray orange sun trying to pop through or go down into the southwest of the Pacific. I couldn't tell which, which, I couldn't tell what would happen first. As I rode my bike, I was amazed at what the water had done to the trails, but even beyond what it had done to the trails was what it had done to the foliage and the flowers around Santiago Oaks Park. There were flowers in bloom absolutely everywhere. On the south-facing hills were these beautiful orange California poppies matted all throughout the park. Everywhere you turned, it was as if someone had opened up a, a seed bag and, and filled it with the beautiful, beautiful seeds that became beautiful orange and green flowers. They were everywhere. Along with them was the tall sinewy mustard plants. They dotted both sides of every trail. And far from the big floppy flowers were the, 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 the little yellow flowers that seemed to be bursting with color and spring. They were everywhere. Beautifully covering all of the hills. And in between all of those orange and yellow flowers were these purple guys. And I couldn't figure out who put the purple in with the orange and the yellow, but they were beautiful. Freckling the green with little purple accents, the flowers, the grass, the orange, the purple, and the yellow. God's artistry. Can you see it? Can you see it? In your own mind's eye, can you see those flowers? Do you know what purple looks like? Do you know what yellow looks like? Have you looked into the southwest sky and seen the sun go down? Almost all of us here this morning can see it. I was blind, but now I see. There was a part of that trail I was really grateful that I could see. It was the sign that said they were releasing water from Santiago Dam. And I thought, well, I'm tough and I'm a seasoned rider and I can do this. I'll just blow right across the creek. And I saw the sign and I went and I saw the water. And, and I thought, well, you've got to work tomorrow, big guy. You're not going to fall. And I can't let Pastor Trevor hang in there and handle it all by himself. I, and so having read the sign and having observed the water running very, very quickly through the park, I thought better of it. I went five miles back, two miles flat, two miles up, and made it home, at which point I about passed out. But thank God for having an electric bike. <laughs> Was blind, but now I see. Was blind, but now I see. Do you see it? Do you see him? This morning's text from John chapter 9 gets Jesus closer to the cross as he heals a man born blind. The, the crowds aren't as nice and people aren't as happy. There's an edge to the crowd now. You would think that they would have a party for the man who had never ever seen orange or purple or yellow. 
A man who'd never seen the signs of danger, but needed someone to come around him and hold his hands and say, no, no, can't step there. No, no, here's lunch. Here you go. We got it. Where's the fork? Where's the spoon? Where's the knife? Let me put it in your hand. The man who had never seen anything, never beheld the face of his mom and dad who loved him. The man was born blind. And that's one sort of blindness that Jesus fixes. And there's another blindness in the text going on as well. For after Jesus heals the man, the religious people have a fit. Clearly, everybody knew the man in town. He was probably a fixture uh, being served and cared for by the people of the town. They had helped him along. They provided some help for him and some care and some love. And now things had changed. He could see. He could see. Things had changed. He could see. Yellow, purple, orange, green. He would say, what's that? And they'd say, well, that's purple. He said, you've talked about babies. That's what a baby looks like? No doubt he had friends. He'd heard the voice of his friends. And there was warmth and grace in the voice of his friends. And all of a sudden, he could see the love and the compassion in the eyes. What had just been a faceless voice was now a total person. I imagine there was hugs and closeness and grace, kindness and love. And over and over again is the the mixture of of what the man says. Hey, Jesus, this guy, he told me to go and wash, and I washed, and now I can see. I went, and I washed, and now I see. And if you're counting the verses here, in three verses, Jesus heals a man who's been blind from birth, which seems to be a fairly perfunctory thing for Jesus. Isaiah had talked about it. Not just the fact that the people walking in darkness had seen a great light, but even more, that the one who would be the Christ would come and make blind eyes seeing eyes. So in two verses, Jesus handles the physical nature of blindness. But it takes 28 verses to deal with the spiritual blindness of the religious people. And Jesus drives towards that. The Pharisees have to investigate. He was here. He was blind. Now what? It's a Sabbath day. We don't offer those kind of things on the Sabbath day. Our religion and all the things we do for God as as these hyper-religious people, well, that doesn't work on the Sabbath day. He broke the law. He broke the rule. He did it at the wrong time. If he would have just waited until tomorrow, everything would break. If he would have just operated a day earlier, everything would be great. Jesus turns on the light for that guy and the religious people look and the lights go out. They can't see it. They have to have an explanation for everything they saw. So they go to the guy and he says, I don't know. I went and I washed, I came back, I could see. Well, what do you think of Jesus? Well, he's a prophet. What do you know? You've been blind from birth. Right. And the religious people get all crazy and they have all this investigation. They bring out the guy's parents and they have even a a bigger fit there. And then they throw the man out. You would imagine they'd have a party. 
You'd imagine they'd celebrate that there'd be joy. There'd be jumping up and down and screaming. But the religious people, instead of having a potluck, they throw him out of the camp. They gather around the man and his parents. And you would think his parents would stick up for him, but even in the story, they don't. And he got to see frowns and angry eyes and an upset people because they were spiritually blind. It's an interesting malady, isn't it? Spiritual blindness. Isn't that an interesting thing to think about a little bit? Because spiritual blindness doesn't affect the eyes as much as it affects the soul. Spiritual blindness affects the hearts of those who are self-centered and engaged in comparing themselves to others. If religion is what we do for God, then it is religion that leads leads us to be spiritually blind. Trying to make ourselves holy, trying to make an excuse for ourselves when we sin, trying to kind of walk through things, pointing at others and elevating ourselves above others and then finding ways to profit from it. That's exactly what the spiritually blind people were doing in our text. And Jesus was an affront because once the people's eyes and hearts were open, they had no need, no need for the religion of the Pharisees. And so a man who was blind and now sees, a man who sees Jesus and a city that sees Jesus, well, for the religious people, that creates division among them and messes with the economics of the religious which is something throughout the course of human history you don't really want to mess with lest you get thrown off a cliff. Spiritually blind. There's a spiritual blindness that has slowly and steadily turned away from the light of faith and turned toward the religion of self in our own country, in our own culture. Human choice is the sovereign principle. I have decided, I choose, I decide, I am at the center of all things. Just ask me and I'll tell you, I have an observation, an opinion, and an answer for everything. You ask me and I'll tell you. Human choice is the sovereign peace, is the confession of that religion. And what fuels it is feelings, which is great, right? Well, I feel this and I feel that. 20 years ago when I was a pastor, I was getting email after email after email about, hey, let's have an apologetic study. Let's bring in and let's reason with the culture of darkness. We will talk them out of what they believe because we are more articulate. We are smarter. We have more light. We're more brilliant than they are. I haven't got a lot of those emails lately. Have you? Maybe you're just not forwarding them to me. That's okay too. And now the words start with, I feel. I don't think. That's the age of rationalism. I feel is the age of postmodernism. I feel. And what I feel, along with my choice, is what drives my life. How dare you go against somebody else's feelings, even if it's your own family member, your own children, your own grandchildren. Because anyone who goes against the feelings of the religion of Western culture breaks the law. And this religion isn't run by grace and forgiveness. It's run by anger. Just tell somebody what they're feeling isn't right and watch the fire in their eyes. There is no mercy in this religion. 
It's not about forgiveness and, and conversation or the fact that my feelings and your feelings might be responding to a similar stimulus. But where there's no mercy, there's cancellation. If you don't align, then you can't be in community. And we, the spiritually religious, in the religion of the day, we don't have a church. We build the altar in our heart to ourselves. And you can't be here unless you agree and align yourself up to us, our feelings, our choices. I was blind, but now I see. The spiritual blindness takes a while for Jesus to address. And what's interesting is that the more he addresses it, the more angry the crowd becomes. Think that makes sense today? We're living in a culture like that today? 100%. Jesus begins John chapter 9 with these words, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Do you see it? Do you see the light? Do you see Jesus? While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so in John chapter 9, we get all the way through. The, the, the Pharisees do all their thing. The religious people are all torqued off. They threw the kid out of town. And Jesus comes back around. I don't know what Jesus was doing, but there's a couple things here. In, 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 in the story last week, he spent two days hanging out. What did he do? I don't know. What did he do on the afternoon after he healed this guy? I don't know, but I do know this, that after circling around, Jesus meets this guy and he says, hey, what happened? Why, why didn't they have a party? Why are you getting after it? This should be fun. See this, see that, see this, see that, see this, see that. And I wonder if the guy said, you know, they threw me out of town. The people who give me a shekel here and a shekel there threw me out of town. What in the world is going on? And then this marvelous exchange in John 9, 35 through 39. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. So he found the man and said to him, do you believe in the son of man? The man replied, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus told him, you have seen him. He is the one speaking with you. He said, verse 38, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that those who do not see may gain their sight and the ones who see may become blind. Nicodemus at night, a woman at the well, a man born blind, each one with a different malady, each one sitting with Jesus, each one at the end of the piece says, Lord, I believe. Do you see it? Do you, do you see it? Because it's, it's right here, or better, better spoken. Do you see him? Do you see Jesus? I love the idea that this was a tender moment, that Jesus didn't yell from, a, from his mountain bike across the street and say, hey, where are you going? He said, I don't know. They threw me out. Jesus found him. I picture there still being a little mud on his eyes and on his face. I picture Jesus putting the man's face in his hands and saying, what in the world is going on? 
Jesus looking at him eye to eye, face to face, asking him if he believes and saying, Lord, I believe. Those words are our words. For if religion focused on self leads to blindness, then faith in Jesus Christ leads to living in the light. Jesus said, when I am in this world, I am the light of the world. And we respond saying, Lord, I believe. Do you see it? Jesus is the light of the world. The light that shines on our own sin and purifies us from that sin. A light that leads us to a greater, bigger sense of self than just what I think and what I feel. So that instead of slinking away into dark places to have conversations in the dark about dark things, we're able to live in the light of God's grace. Not in a cancel culture, but in a culture of love and forgiveness and acceptance. Do you see it? Do you see Jesus. And there's a way of life that's bigger and deeper than just what I think and what I feel. Both of those, the first with the latter, the former proving empty already, but the former working its way towards obsolescence in our culture as we speak. And so the light of Christ shines not on the feelings of humanity, but on the cross of Jesus. Jesus plants the cross on our in, in, in our path, and, and, and we can't avoid it. We can't get away from it. Our faith is not dependent on our feelings. Rather, faith emanates from events that we can't change. Events like healing a man born blind, visiting a woman at a well, teaching a religious man at night, and God coming to Brooke Eloise Larson this morning. She can't unwind her baptism. She can't disconnect herself from Jesus. The Lord has visited her with love. We can't undo the cross. We can't undo the resurrection. We can't undo the ascension. All of those things happen outside of us and God connects us to them in faith. And that's what seeing, seeing through the eyes of Jesus is all about. For Jesus, the light of the world is the antidote to spiritual blindness. That day then for those individuals and the antidote to spiritual blindness in our culture today. And his light, his light shines on your life. His light purifies your heart. His light leads you home. Do you see it? Do you see it? And do you see Jesus? The light of the world that no darkness will ever overcome. Would you sing with me? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I Blood, but now.